0: What I was saying is uh, the National Science Foundation, they just did a study and 25% of Americans feel alone. 25% have no one to tell their troubles to, no one that they can go to and share. Our times have been dubbed the age of loneliness. I mean, we can talk on cell phones, we can email, we can text, we can Snapchat, which I do not understand, and we can use Facebook but we're lonely people, and we're misunderstood people. In fact, the suicide rate in the United States is at a 30-year high, and it cuts across all age groups, every age group, young and old, because it just seems like no one understands our problems. We all feel misunderstood. We all feel alone. But there is one person who does understand, Jesus Christ, and that is the person we need to take our troubles and our concerns to. On the wall as you come into the auditorium, we have two banners on prayer that are up, and they're going to be up for the whole year. And one of the verses quoted is our focus this morning, so would you turn with me to chapter 4 of Hebrews? And in chapter 4 of Hebrews, we're just going to look at three verses Verses 14, 15, and 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now verse 16 is what's on the banner. It says, Let us then... With confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now the let us then refers back to verse 14, which says, since then, since we have a great high priest, we can have confidence to draw near. It's a cause and effect. The cause is that we have Jesus and the effect is that we can have confidence and we can draw near. That's a wonderful truth. Because of Jesus, we can approach God with confidence. Because of Jesus. Now, Jesus is called a great high priest. He's not just a high priest, he's called the great high priest. So what does a high priest do? Well, one of the most important duties of the high priest was to conduct the service on the Day of Atonement. Only the high priest was allowed to enter the most holy place behind the veil to stand before God. Only he was to bring blood into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, God's throne. He did this to make atonement for himself and for the people for all of their sins of the past year. And the high priest would do this year after year. So the high priest was a mediator, one man to represent the nation before God. The people could not stand before God. Only this one man could go on their behalf and represent them. And the high priest would offer sacrifices for his sins and for the sins of the people, and he would do this year after year. But we have a different high priest. In Hebrews chapter 9, it tells us that when Jesus appeared as a high priest, he entered once for all, into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. This is why Jesus is the great high priest. He offered himself. He gave himself. And because of that, we can have forgiveness of sins. We can go to Jesus to receive forgiveness anytime, not just once a year, but any moment of any day. We can be cleansed from all unrighteousness. That is a great high priest. And the high priest intercedes for the people on behalf of the people of God. He's a mediator. 1 Timothy says, for there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ, Jesus. So Jesus is for us. We have an advocate. He represents us before God. In Romans it says, who is to condemn christ jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised who was at the right hand of god who indeed is interceding for us jesus is pleading for us interceding for us praying for us we have the son of god on our side and jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses he understands For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, Jesus understands us. He cares. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Since therefore the children, meaning us, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. And then verse 17 says, Therefore... Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. It says Jesus made propitiation. That's a fancy word. It, It means atoning sacrifice. It has the idea of covering as is used of the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. It covered it blood was sprinkled on the ark, on the mercy seat, and that made propitiation for the people of Israel. The blood covered their sins. And so Christ became our sacrifice, our substitute. He assumed our transgressions. He covered our guilt by the punishment of the cross. So Jesus is our propitiation, our sacrifice, our covering, our Savior. There is no debt to pay because it's been paid in full. Furthermore, Jesus knows what it's like to be human, to be a man. Jesus was made like us in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest because he himself has suffered. Now, did you catch that? It says he himself has suffered. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're suffering, Jesus understands He knows what it's like to be human, to be flesh and blood. He has experienced the hardships of life, just like we do. If you would turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Now, in Isaiah chapter 3, it's a prophecy of the coming Messiah. It's a prophecy of Jesus. And mostly it talks about what Jesus is going to do. To experience. So in Isaiah chapter 53, beginning in verse 1, it says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Okay, and now it starts talking about Jesus. It says, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. So the first part, it says, he grew up. Jesus grew up from a baby through childhood, being a teen to becoming an adult. He knows what it's like. He had parents. He had imperfect parents. Just like I'm an imperfect parent, just like we had imperfect parents. It also says that Jesus had no form or majesty, no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus wasn't some model. He wasn't. Do you hate your looks? Do you hate your body? Do you think you're too thin, too heavy, too tall, too short? Your hair is too curly, too straight, too thin? Or like me, you're losing most of it? Do you think no one likes how you look? Guess what? Jesus understands that. No one desired him for his form. It says right there, no one desired him for his form. No one desired him for his looks. Verse 3, he was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Do you feel that people despise you, hate you? Do you feel rejected all alone? Do you feel like people hide their faces from you? Do you feel worthless that no one thinks much of you? Jesus knows. Do you have sorrows? Are you acquainted with grief? Do you grieve the loss of a person, a relationship, a situation? So did Jesus. He knew sadness. He knew heartbreak. He wept. In chapter 5 of verse 7 at Hebrews, it says, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Jesus knows what it's like to hurt. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Again, Jesus knew pain. He was pierced, he was crushed, he was wounded in verse 7, it says, "...he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before it shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off at the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence." and there was no deceit in his mouth. It says by oppression and judgment he was taken away. Do you feel oppressed? Have you been judged? Is your boss riding you hard? Are you being led to the slaughter? Hey, Jesus knows. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and he makes intercession for. Let me just repeat some of the words, some of the things Jesus experienced. It says, no majesty, no beauty. He was despised. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We esteemed him not. He was stricken, smitten, afflicted, pierced, crushed, chastised, wounded, oppressed, judged, had grief, was in anguish. Jesus knows how hard life is. And the pain associated with it. Are you in physical pain today? Or are you even nearing the end of your life? Jesus knows what pain is. Jesus knows what death is. Jesus was betrayed by a friend. He was forsaken by his friends. The leaders of Israel rejected him. The crowds left him. He had no place to lay his head. He knew poverty. He was spit on, beat up, left to die. No one said a word in his defense. Jesus had friends die. He wept. He was misunderstood. he knew known pain, sorrow, aloneness, rejection. Jesus knows what hardship you are going through today. And because Jesus was human, flesh and blood, he poured took of the same things, like us in every respect, except one, he knew no sin. So Jesus can sympathize with our weakness, with our struggle. He has been tempted, yet without sin, he triumphed. He succeeded where we failed. So therefore, because We have a great high priest, a priest who has shed his own blood for our sin, a high priest who can sympathize with us because he was a man like us in every respect. He knows hurt, he knows pain and sorrow because Jesus has been where we are, broken, alone, rejected, hurting in pain and sorrow because Jesus has been where we are, where we live. Let us then... With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have confidence to go to Jesus. No fear, no shame, no guilt, no anxiety. But too often we don't have confidence to draw near. And sometimes we go and talk to everyone about our problems except Jesus. Or we try to fix the problem ourselves. Which if you're like me, that usually makes it worse. Because of our pride, because of our fear, because of our unbelief. But we can have confidence. Because Jesus cares. In 1 Peter it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties... Or in some translations it says, all your cares upon him because he cares for you. As one pastor put it, you're like a dump truck. You just back up and you let it all go. You dump it on him. You cast it on Jesus. You look to Jesus. You turn your eyes upon Jesus. You go to him because he cares for you. You can have confidence that he will hear, he will care, he will give mercy and grace in our time of need. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so this morning we are going to have a time where we can do just that. And we are going to go before Christ with confidence and we are going to draw near in a time of prayer so that we individually and corporately may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need because we have a Savior who cares, who loves us, and who wants to help us in our time of need. And so how we're going to do this this morning is I will say a little sentence prayer, and then we will have several minutes of of silence. Actually, there will be some soft music playing in the background. And we're going to go before the mercy seat. Then I will say a little sentence prayer. And we'll pray about that topic or that area. And we're going to do that three times. There's going to be three different areas. At the very end, I will say amen. But we'll go from each section. And each section is going to be about five minutes long. So will you join me before the mercy seat where we can go before our great high priest, Jesus Christ, so that we can receive mercy in our time of need. Please join me in prayer. Father God, you have given us a great high priest in Jesus who we can go to to find mercy and grace in our time of need. Father, we are in a time of need. So, Father, hear us as we pray silently for the things that are affecting us personally as believers, whether it is our health, our relationships, our finances, maybe it's our fears and our struggles, our anger, our loneliness, our confusion, our helplessness. Whatever is on our hearts today, Father, personally, please hear us as we Heavenly Father, we not only need your grace and mercy individually, but we do need it corporately here at CNBC. So would you listen to your church, your body, as we cry out for help, whether it's for unity and peace, for finances to continue the work of the ministry, both here and around the world, for wisdom for the search committee as we seek a new shepherd to lead this flock. Or for the many ministries at CNBC, whether it's children, youth, adults, missions, outreach, compassion, connecting. And Lord, there's so many other ministries, too many to mention. Father, would you hear us as we lift up our body? We lift up each other. We lift up the ministries here. Father, we also want to pray for our families, our friends, our neighborhoods, our country, and our world. And and you know all the hurt and the pain and the tragedy, the lost souls. So Father, in these final few moments, hear us as we pray for all that is going on around us this day. Father, thank you for hearing us in our time of need. And thank you that you're a merciful high priest who hears us, Father. Thank you for your throne of grace. And thank you for the mercy and grace that we have just received. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.